It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined today by former NFL offensive lineman Jeff Schwartz and Danny Kelly and Nora Princiati will join me to break down coaching carousel predictions, best jobs, best candidates, really fun show. Let's get started with Jeff after this. Today's episode of the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Getting great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate, that's like drafting a player that becomes an all-pro, the real deal. State Farm agents provide personalized service so that you can customize your insurance to fit your needs like a GM putting together their very own roster. You need a team that supports you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more. With a great price and even greater service, State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman, podcast host, media star. What's going on, buddy? Oh, man, we are in week six already. It feels yeah. like we've never even kind of get here, and I'm just happy that football's chugging along. We had a Tuesday night game. That was weird for the brain. I liked it. I know there are limitations against playing every night of the week, but I, I enjoyed the product is all I'll say about that. We can't do it. It's not sustainable in any way. But I Correct. enjoyed more football. I, I will say, though, like, I also cover college football. Yeah. So having a couple nights off a week from football is okay for me, especially as an East Coaster. Like, it's okay. Like, tonight, I'm, there's no football that I need to watch. I'll go to bed 9 o'clock. It's fine to have a couple nights a week, but that's the case. But I'm with you, though. I mean, the more football is always going to be better. Uh, but it's okay to have, like, two nights a week where you can go to bed early. I think two nights is fine. I mean, like, when you grow up in a – football hotbed I did in Florida like Friday's high school Saturday's college Sunday is NFL Monday's the NFL so you really only get especially when I was younger and I you know cared about all of these levels um, like I mean like high school obviously I still watch college football and pro football but yeah. like I don't I don't sit around watching Boone versus Edgewater in Orlando anymore um, but I, I kind of I, I like the football schedule uh, and and I think that if we could add maybe one more night would be all right all right so Jeff I want to talk about a couple of things here. This is kind of a big week of football. And I, I kind of feel like we're going to learn a lot about some of the teams that we think are good, but could be great or great. But maybe I, I don't know. I mean, we're going to learn about the levels here. Uh, Brown Steelers is a big one. Bucks, yeah. Packers, Chiefs, Bills, Ravens, Eagles. I think there's a lot of teams that I think we're going to know a lot more on Tuesday than we know right now. Uh, I want to start big picture because scoring is now, I think, over 50 points a game um, <laughs> combined. It is unbelievable. 51.4 is the scoring average in games. Uh, it's unbelievable what's happened to the sport. And I want to, and uh, Rosillo calls this a dumb question for a smart guy. And I think that this is, uh, it's a good, it's a good jumping off point here. What is happening to offenses? What is happening to defenses? Is this permanent? Is it sustainable? Is it just the holding penalties? Is it just the COVID miscommunication? Is it yeah. is it the you know lack of crowds? I mean, every time I turn on a podcast or the radio or whatever, I hear a different theory. Yours are what? I think there's many reasons. I'll start with a smart one first, and we'll maybe get in the other the other ones that I think could be a sure. factor. I think now more than ever, offensive coordinators are designing offenses to fit their quarterback, not the other way around. They're not forcing quarterbacks mm -hmm. to fit into what they do. They're changing their offense for their quarterback. And the example was great last night, right? Tennessee and Buffalo, two places where they have completely altered their offenses to fit what 
these guys do best. Even in Green Bay, we're looking at a high play action total, right? which they never did under Aaron Rodgers. We're seeing teams use the things that we know that, that are good in the NFL, play action pass, bootlegs, not running into terrible boxes, designing offenses that fit the quarterback, not making the quarterback fit your offense. I think we're just at a higher level of functioning on the offensive side of the ball right now. And it's helping get bigger plays and score more points. Um, and look, I think it, it's, it's hard to deny that it's very clear tackling both in college and the NFL has been really bad this season. And I think that's sure. a, a byproduct of the lack of the preseason and a lack of, of, uh, of any sort of practice time, any meaningful practice time, really. I mean, 13 days in pads is, is nothing. So that's a very easy answer there. And then I think crowd knows. I think about this, um, yeah. watching Herbert play the other night. So, Herbert, who my my Oregon guy, I love I love Herbert. I thought he was going to be good. I'm glad he's good. Um, he was in New Orleans. Okay, you've been the Superdome. Superdome is ear splitting loud. It, it's it's headache loud. It is frustratingly loud. There was no one there, right? Dead quiet. Yeah. And I, I think that it does help a rookie quarterback in his fourth start with a bad offensive line to go into New Orleans play the Saints with no crowd noise. It, it, it can't hurt. Um, and I think we're going to see, I'm curious next year, if like Herbert and Burrow and Tua eventually like take a step back just because they're playing away games with crowd noise. And so I think there's, there's those little things all matter. It's not just holding penalties. I think it's all those things are the reasons why there's more points. So I, I the communication thing to me is really interesting. And I heard Richard Sherman say this the other day, actually about how much, the offense has an advantage if you can hear everything everybody's saying. And because the offense can certainly make adjustments. If they, if they hear the defense yelling out certain things, the offense kind of wins that war yes. when you can hear everything, just when you're sitting there watching the tape and, and or watching, you know, even the TV feed and you can see the, the defense communicating, what advantages specifically do the offenses have when they know kind of, they can hear what the defense is saying, basically. I mean, look, an offensive play call is long and wordy most of the time, and maybe it's yeah. a code word every now and then. I mean, if, if yeah. we say, like, if we say, you know, hey, we, you know, we're running, you know, and you hear the code words all the time, defenses don't know what those mean. Defenses right. don't, aren't really code worded. They're over cover right. three. Over cover three. I mean, all right, right. well, they're running an over front with a cover yeah. three. Like, there's no, like, yeah. code words for defense. And maybe they're inventing more code words this year. Sure. But, you know, they're not code wording stuff. So if we hear a, a defense say, hey, guys, we're, you know, we're running red four here. You're like, oh, yeah. all right, well, you know, red zone cover four. Like, yeah. okay. So now we don't know the names for all the pressures they're going to bring. But right. I think that um, you get to hear a little bit more. But I think that, that Sherm's a little bit wrong on that because not wrong from his angle, but there's more to that, right? As an offensive lineman, uh, they can hear my calls now. They can right. easily hear my calls. And and defensive players, defensive linemen, know about three calls. That's it. Um, the rest of them, they don't know. But now they can hear all of them and, and watch TV copy and figure out what, what teams are doing. I've seen a lot more this year, um, like double cadences, where quarterbacks on yeah. the line of scrimmage, you know, ready to hunt, and they kind of see what's happening and then go into, go into another place. So I think the communication this year has is, is had to change because of that. So it's not just – an advantage for the offense, in my opinion. Defense gets to hear everything. They hear the, the play calls, the audibles. They hear the uh, the, the line calls. Um, it goes both ways. So let's start with Brown Steelers because I'm fascinated by both of these teams, and I think that they're probably both playoff teams. And I just don't know where they fall in the AFC pecking order right now because I just haven't seen enough of them. And and you know, Roethlisberger was out last year, and so obviously the Steelers' experience has been new. And there's an adult in the room, so to speak, in Cleveland, so it's a little bit different there. Yeah. Which team is better? We'll just start there, and, and then we'll go from there. Uh, at the end of this season, are we talking about the Browns and the Steelers being better? I think we're talking about the Steelers being better. Steelers are one of my favorite, like, long-shot Super Bowl plays this year. I think yeah. like, they were a great play for the Super Bowl. Um, I think that they're better. By the way, the matchup that's going to be fun is the Steelers' offensive line against Miles Garrett. First time yes. they played. Yes. It's going to be like – it's going to be like – if there's a, a, a betting company that wants to make a prop, like how many times the offensive lineman takes shots at Miles Garrett, I'll grade that prop for you. I promise I will enjoy grading that prop for you. It's going to be <laughs> a, a battle. Um, but I think the Steelers are, are better for a couple of reasons right now. One is they're better defensively, right? And they yeah. know who they are. And, yes, they, they played bad against the Eagles. It was kind of surprising. They they pressured the Eagles too much. You watch the second half, they kind of you know laid back a little bit. Um, they rushed the passer very well. I think offensively for the Steelers, we're seeing them become more multiple and do different things. The Browns, yeah. for as good as they are offensively, are kind of one-dimensional. They're a rushing football team. Baker Mayfield put up, put up numbers last week, really on the first half. Second half, we threw for, what, 60 yards, 50 yards maybe in that game. And some of those catches were ridiculous, right? It was Landry and, and Odell 
bailing him out of bad throws to make these catches. So I think the Steelers are a more complete team. The Browns have had their spurts. The Browns have been very good, obviously, four and one. But um, when you're one-dimensional on offense, when you play a really good defense, and it, it worries me. Now, they play a good defense in the Colts. I get that. But again, I don't think you can count on circus catches as your pass game each and every week. So I think that's a concern for me. So I don't know if the Steelers cover this game. I think it's like four points, but I do think the Steelers win this game. The theory I've heard the last couple of weeks is, and this gets into to Josh Allen a little bit too, and Russell Wilson and Roethlisberger and even Baker, is that the holding penalties thing favors guys who can extend plays um, because it's becoming a little easier for um, quarterbacks to stay back there. And obviously, you know, quick release is always better, but I'm curious what you think, uh, having played offensive line, uh, the lack of, of holding penalties shows up where with the offenses? I think it's just with bad offensive linemen. I'm not sure it has to do with extending plays. I mean, I think just yeah. if you have bad offensive linemen that, that don't get called for holding now, it helps everyone be better. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, Big Ben doesn't move as well as Russell Wilson does, but their offensive line is infinitely better than Seattle's. I mean, so you're not right. going to even – even if they were calling a normal amount of holding penalties, it, it would, wouldn't make a difference for the Pittsburgh who doesn't hold very much. I mean, for Seattle, it would, right? Seattle has a lot of offensive linemen who, who aren't as good as Seattle so sure. as, as Pittsburgh. So I'm not sure it benefits – one team or the other. And we're seeing, I think last week we saw them go up again, a little, little more holdings, some questionable yeah. ones as well. But we, we saw them kind of bounce out. And the NFL does that a lot where they go through stretches of not calling something and then call a lot of, or the opposite. They call a bunch and then go, they kind of ebb and flow. So yeah. I think the point of emphasis. Yeah. They send I, one I, memo I, and then the I, entire I those. thing changes. Yeah. I hate those so much. Um, the point of emphasis. But um, <laughs> I, so I think that, that we'll see that bounce back out as the season goes along. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating to see because again, you, you know this as much as anybody. Those point of emphasis things, like when there's a story written about, oh, they aren't calling this or they're calling this too much. There's a memo written, and then it is it is called completely different the following Sunday. Like it is unbelievable. It's not it's not ideal. I think that we should just if you see a penalty, you call a penalty. Pretty simple. Yep. Yep. Well, we <laughs> in a perfect world, Jeff. Uh, all right. So Bucks Packers. So I'm intrigued by. Aaron Rodgers. And obviously what we saw to Tom Brady was really strange uh, against, against the Bears, especially late in the game. Last time these guys played, there were literal, there was a Michael Jordan commercial. Remember that? It was the goat, the goat thing, um, oh, yeah. the two greatest of all time. Uh, weird argument to have since I don't know if these guys are the clear cut one and two, that's a different podcast, but which, which guy, or if it's, if it's neither, that's fine. Which guy's performance right now is more real? Uh, Aaron Rodgers looking like an MVP or Tom Brady looking a little bit off right now with injury? We know there's injuries well, I, with Tampa I think Bay. That but. It's, I think more real is Aaron Rodgers, but I think that yeah. Tom Brady is going to keep improving. I, I never thought yeah. this offense would start fast with Tampa. I, I no. mean, the, the Saints game was what is expected, right? Is you're seeing them evolve throughout the season. The Bears game was the worst the, the offensive line had played. The offensive line played really well up until that point. Uh, we, we know Godwin's been hurt. O.J. Howard's on, on injured reserve. Evans has been in and out of the lineup. They're going to keep getting better. I think what we see with Rodgers now is what you get with Rodgers. But this, look, Tampa Bay defensively is really, really good. And they get extra time to prepare for, for Green Bay. And obviously, so does Green Bay and vice versa because they were off this weekend. But um, Tampa Bay is still their second overall in DVOA in the entire NFL. They're second rated. Like, they're, they're a good football team. They're second in, in defense as well. So um, I think that people are, are going to throw out Tampa Bay in this matchup this weekend because they looked kind of bad the other night and Tom Brady forgot what down it was. I'm not sure what it changed who he threw the ball to, honestly. But nonetheless, he forgot what down it was. And, and we see that as our lasting image when, in fact um, – you know, it's not like the Bears played that great. It's almost like Tampa right. lost that game themselves, right? The Bears weren't anything special. So um, I think Aaron Rodgers is real. This is what Aaron Rodgers is this year. And I go back to this. For for a while, Rodgers played in a stale offense. It just was stale yeah. with yes. McCarthy. They just did nothing cool, nothing unique, same thing all the time. Last year, I felt like he was a little hesitant to kind of fully embrace Matt LaFleur's offense. Sure. For every reason, this year he is. Whether Matt came and said, hey, man, look, we do this, this, and this. We're really good at it. And Rogers is a smart guy. He realized they're good at it. He just started doing more of it, especially the play action pass stuff. Um, but their offense is, is sustainable, in my opinion. And that's the, the most important thing. So Rogers will play like he has. And I think Brady will continue to get better. That it's This is an argument I've made a bunch here on this podcast. But you, know, you can't expect Brady to start in September and October like he's going to be in December in the weirdest year of all time where no one cares about details more than him and now you're saying you can't have OTAs you can't have full offseason all this stuff I mean this exactly. was only this was only going to get better and so I'm with you on that I think there's going to be some improvement there 
Uh, Chiefs Bills, I, I want to dig into this, this Bills thing, because actually when we talked yesterday, uh, I, I thought that this was going to be a litmus test for whether or not the Bills could compete in the AFC, and then they get the doors blown off by the Titans. Uh, do we learn anything? Is there anything to glean from the fact that the Titans didn't have a real routine for two weeks and and won anyway? Um, I think we saw what the, the plan for Josh Allen will be moving forward, which is okay. uh, you just play zone coverage and don't get beat deep, right? Yeah. You know, he's going to make those secondary plays, which he has in his in his career, but a lot of big plays against the Titans came from those secondary reaction plays, right? We got out of the pocket. He found Yeldon right in the back corner of the end zone by himself. I think your team's just going to say, hey, man, like just – just beat us any other way than beating us deep. It's the same thing the Titans tried to do to Pat Mahomes last year. Same thing that, by the way, teams are doing to the Chiefs right now. Just sit passively back and, you know, we're, we're not going to let you scramble very much, which they didn't do a lot, right? And then the Titans defense, though, has done a good job of this. It just really went against Lamar last year, too. So maybe it's just the Titans defense is built this way to not allow, you know, quarterbacks that, that are mobile to really get loose on them. But I think that, that that's the blueprint, right? Like just sit in zone coverage, show them two, show them three, show them inverted two, show them one, like show them different things and kind of try to confuse them and just don't get beat deep. Like we're not going to let Diggs get behind us uh, and we're not going to, you know, give up those chunks. We're going to make him earn each and every throw. So that's what teams I think will do moving forward. Um, and we'll start with the Chiefs on Monday. I think the Chiefs will do that. They'll just say, hey, man, we got our defensive line. We'll rush the passer. We'll sit back in coverage. Uh, and, you know, I think they learned a lesson uh, with, with Carr on Sunday, which is like we can't just ignore deep passes. They, they basically yeah. just said we're not going to even – we don't care. Carr can't throw deep. We're going to leave no safety back there. With the Chiefs now and the AFC pecking order, we talked a little bit about Brown Steelers. Obviously, we'll see the Bills on Monday night. We've seen the Ravens a couple of weeks ago, obviously, uh, who are at this point uh, not ready to compete with with the 2020 Chiefs. AFC pecking order for you, is it Chiefs and then everybody else? Did the Raiders game change your mind? Is, is, is it getting closer? Is the gap changing? Is there a team now where you're saying, okay, maybe these guys can can win an arrowhead in January? This is the Chiefs like first loss in a year. And I know. it's like we're losing it's like we're losing our freaking well, minds. I just, lost I, one game. I, I, I have been so no, you. I no, I know, but I've been so insistent that the Chiefs are so much better than everybody else that now I they lose to the Raiders and I have to take my medicine and be like, well, is what what's what's that gonna happen now? And the funny part is that you know, everyone's uh, you know railing on their offense who's, who's number two in DVOA and averaging thirty two points, a, you know, averaging like thirty points a game, right? Like also, just the eye test. He threw like Mahomes threw like seven passes on Sunday. Some of them didn't even count. It looked better than like you know the Aaron Rodgers like yeah. a down year for me is a career year for another guy's like the there were five passes that didn't count on Sunday from Mahomes in a loss to the Raiders that were better throws yeah. than ninety nine point nine percent of quarterbacks will ever have in their career. Yeah, the 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 touchdown that was called back on the the phantom yep. holding call, which by the way, the the next play, KO, the offensive lineman like blows out both his knees, which is just the worst injury of all time. And then he had a third and twenty that Mahomes scrambled on, but through the backup tight end or third string tight end, it just dropped right through his hands. I mean, like there was a it was a game when they, when they should score. No, look, I thought throughout the year, if you look at the Chiefs' season so far, there are five games. One game this year, they came out and played. I think their absolute best. That was Baltimore, right? They just yep. came out and they kicked the shit out of Baltimore. Every other game, and I think they actually week one, they played pretty well too. Look at the other games though. They've had lulls in the game. Like the Chargers game was just like, man, it's kind of like, you know, meandered the way through that. Didn't, you know, yeah. Like I said, the Ravens game came out hard. I forget who they played um, uh, two weeks ago. I never even forgot who they played before the Raiders. Um, and they played the Raiders. And um, mm -hmm. I just think that they just kind of need a wake-up call, honestly. I mean, they're, they're that good. They know. They can just turn it on whenever they want. They're like the Warriors to me in, in basketball. Yeah. For for years, the Warriors could just be like, all right, third quarter, let's just, we're going to score 35 points and we're going to win the game in the third quarter. The Chiefs can do that anytime they want, right? Anytime they want. But the problem is the one game you don't, the one game your defense doesn't play well, you lose that game, right? So it's a good wake-up call for them to not have that attitude. I think coming off of this loss, they'll come out and they'll handle their business on Monday night um, in Buffalo. Just because if they had won this game, kind of played ugly, maybe I'd take the Bills in this game. But I think the Chiefs are just that much better than everyone else. And when they want to play hard, and when they want to play to their full, full steam, they can do it. But look, they're not perfect. Like, I don't understand why people thought they would just be perfect. There's some issues in protection right now uh, that everyone on the, on the protection unit has to take uh, a responsibility for. Um, I think they've gone away from their short game 
I think they're trying to take too many home runs right now. Just take just just take what the defense gives you. They, they went away from screens a little bit the last couple of weeks. You know, add that back in, run the ball a little bit more. There's things they can work on, um, and they'll be fine. I, I think they're just worried about January. Just get us to January. Uh, make sure everyone's healthy. I totally agree with you, and I think that after last year, you mentioned the lulls and, and the Warriors comparison was a great one. I think that having seen Patrick Mahomes and, and that offense, I mean, it's a total team effort, but they solved every problem put in front of them in January. Every single problem. They they were down double-digit points in every playoff game they played, including one, you know, three touchdowns to, to Bill O'Brien at one point. And then they just said, okay, time to win. And then they won. And I feel like psychologically, you have to have that in the back of your brain that like everything can be solved whenever they want it to be solved. And th- that's why I think this team is so amazing. That's why I don't read into things like this, this Raiders team, because I just think that there's... I, this Raiders game, rather, I just think that the, they'll they'll figure it out and they'll be good enough to get the one seed, and then they'll they'll probably win win I mean, the Super Bowl and, again. And if they, and if they, and if they don't, then they don't get the one seed. Like I don't think they right. care. I don't like I don't yeah. think they care. Like, I don't think they care. Like you know, they're down what double digits in like eight of yeah. these twelve wins they've been. Like they, yeah, they don't, they don't oh, care. Well. Like they don't care. But you know, but the, but the problem is is that again, like the one time you run up against a good opponent and you're not playing. Right, you know, at this at this level, you lose, and they didn't play well on defense, and they lost the game. And so, you have to make sure you don't do that in January. So that's why I think this weekend, Monday, it's a 5 p.m. Eastern game. It's all East Coasters are like, yes, yes, yes. Um, that uh, that we get to watch Monday night. I feel bad for the Bills though, right? The Bills have been have been jerked around. You know, the, the I agree. They, they were supposed to play a short week, the Chiefs, which would have been great. Short week home game. You know, the Chiefs would have been playing their what third game in ten days. Yeah. Um, I would pick the Bills to win that game in a heartbeat. Now the Bills. Have a have a short week against the Chiefs. Chiefs get more rest. Uh, they got screwed in that. Yeah, I, I agree. Can you just from a from a player standpoint, just take us through how big of a difference it makes, even if you know ahead of time uh, when you have to change your routine, almost when you're doing it. Like just say, oh, we're, we we might play Monday, we might play Tuesday, we might not play at all. I mean, what what does that change about your week and your routine, and what what are the kind of the tent poles of a player's preparation that would need to be changed around? I mean, I think just just everything, right? We're, we're very routine creatures. We yeah. get in the same time every day, especially now with COVID. There's more routine, right? There's more testing. There's more this. There's more that. Like you're a routine oriented per, uh, person, and so I, I don't think the Bills lost because of this. I, I don't think no. that. But you know, just for your body to recover between now and Monday, you just one less day to recover, right? The Chiefs have an extra day to recover. Chiefs are really good when you give them an extra day, right? We know that Andy Reid off a of buy is 18 and three. Yeah. Not a, quite a buy, but just an even extra day, right? It's even better with an extra day. So uh, just, you know, one less day to prepare. And, and that's what the, the Bills had to go through. Uh, you know, the Titans thing, I, I don't, you know, the NFL, it's funny, the Titans have this, uh, the, this me against the world thing, right? Like that, no one oh, believed in God. us. And the NFL, dude, the NFL did a lot of things to make it easy on you. Because the NFL could have easily said, you know what, screw it. You're, we're forfeiting your two games. But they arranged everyone else's schedule to make sure you can play your games. You should be thankful they did that. Yeah, I, I, I will be ignoring, at best, I'll be ignoring the Titans. Nobody believed in us because we had a, whatever you want to call that situation, the last two weeks. It was it is a very murky situation, but I, I was surprised to see the uh you know, we, we will be taking basically the general tone from from Nashville was like where it was. It's us against the world because of the last two weeks. And I just don't think we should approach this virus. like Yeah. That. Can, you, can you imagine being like, yeah, like, you know, I just we just had the only, you know, the, un, the only uncontrolled viral outbreak in the NFL. It's us against the world. Guys, it's, you did this. You're it was your yes. adversity. You created it's yeah, this is, this is, it's a storyline. It's an incredibly uncomfortable storyline for me, I think is the way I'd phrase it. All right. Uh, last thing I want to talk about the uh, Ravens and the Eagles. I guess I'm just going to keep waiting around Jeff for an NFC East team to show me anything. Um, this is obviously a big one. Having the game plan for Lamar Jackson. There's some questions about Jim Schwartz, especially after last week and letting Chase Claypool become the breakout star of last week. Uh, is there anything there with the Eagles? Should we, you know, obviously the injuries have been so huge, but is there any path? And obviously this is a bad week for them to break out, but is there any hope for the Eagles or any NFC East team? Do you see any of these teams accidentally winning, you know, nine games? Oh, no chance. I I, okay. I mean, I, I, I think the Cowboys with Dalton have a chance to be okay. And I, you know, I think Dalton's a capable quarterback. Um, you know, their defense is just so atrocious. So yeah. bad. I mean, you, you have to hope as Eagles fan, what we saw at the end of last season, right? The last four weeks of the year, must win games. Carson went locked in. He played better, but 
your injury situation is is not good. I mean, your offensive line is, is beat up. Your wide receivers. Did Fletcher Cox ever come back in that game on Sunday? Is he? I don't know what his status is in that game. Like, I just feel like things just aren't going your direction. Now, Baltimore is interesting. Baltimore is number one in DVOA. I, I wouldn't think that. Like, they just, I don't know, just kind of must seem like they're floating along after the Chiefs game, but they're still really good. <laughs> and so I think that we have to take, take into account that they're just a good football team, and Eagles are not going to win this game. It, it's a long – point spread's big, but – I just think the Eagles are just, they're not good enough right now. Who accidentally wins the NFC East? I mean, Eagles are going to win at like six and 10. I mean, I don't know who yeah. actually <laughs> wins it. It's not going to be Washington. It's not going to be the Giants. Um, I mean, the Cowboys, if the Cowboys played, if they didn't allow 33 points a game and allowed 27 instead, they'd probably win the NFC East. I mean, it's that simple, right? But they don't. They're terrible on defense. What, what, what is going to change about their defense moving forward? So, I mean, maybe Philly, I guess, because they have Carson Wentz and they've done it before and they know what to do. Um, but like I said, it's not going to be Washington or the Giants. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. No one. No, it's just, it's just let another NFC team make the playoffs. Like the Pac-12 in the college football playoff? Just leave it out? Hey, hey, hey. hey. Yeah, I know. I knew what I was doing there. Enough, I knew what I was doing there. That's enough from you over there. Hey, I'm a Miami fan. We have we don't do college football playoffs. We're fine. Um, last thing for you before we get you out of here, uh, give us the one trend that we should be talking about this year schematically uh, that we're, that we haven't given enough attention to. Um, it's a good question. Um, I mean, to me, this a play action pass explosion. You know, like the idea yeah. that. Um, you know, that those plays, and I, I've loved play action pass forever. I even was a player. I loved this offense on the blocking play action pass. I, that was so easy for me. Like, I just, oh, I just sell run. Okay, fine. I'm, that's great. I get my hands on guys as soon as possible. I just think that, that again, I go back to how we started this interview. The, the trend, in my opinion, is not just is not just the play action pass, but it's it's coaches that very clearly designing game plans for the quarterbacks, yeah. where I feel like for a long time, Coaches didn't do that, right? Coaches just said, okay, you're the quarterback. You, you run my offense. You run my offense. And we're seeing now, even in, in San Diego, not San Diego, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. I mean, you know, they're running an offense that's very built for Justin Herbert. They're running an offense at Buffalo, very built for Josh Allen. And, and Tennessee's the same way. And all these places are doing a great job of building offenses that fit what they do. So that, to me, is the trend, is offensive coordinators just saying, look, man, we're going to run what we run that, that works for our team. I'm not going to force – an offense on someone that doesn't fit the personnel we have, that fit the quarterback we have. So that, that to me is the trend. It's just great offense to play designers right now. Jeff Schwartz, where can we hear you? Yes, my podcast, Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. Um, and uh, that's iTunes, Spotify. Also my Twitter, at Jeff Schwartz. I post all my stuff. I write for Fox Sports. do some other fun gambling stuff for them as well. Uh, but you can find all that. Uh, actually, I think I have oh, I still have a website, shortsnfl.com, by the way. I, I, I think I still use it. Um, but nonetheless, go there. <laughs> that uh, didn't my, sound like a hearty endorsement of your website, no, Jeff Schwartz. It, it, I, it is there, dude. I, so the website thing was a battle I fought like for a while where I was like, I don't even have my, my guy, Chris, he's a great job designing it. Like I, it's, it's up. I just don't, I always forget to share it. Schwartznfl.com. Sure. It's where all my stuff is at, but I don't have time to run a website. Like I don't have time. I have a, so, so. I have a Squarespace and I just put my best stuff on there and update it exactly once a year and just leave it there. If someone can find it. Jeff Schwartz. Thank you so much, buddy. All right. Take care, bud. All right. Coming up, Danny Kelly, Nor Prince Yachty joined me to talk about the future of the coaching carousel, but first a quick break. If you've been dealing with acne, redness, dark spots, or wrinkles, finding treatment that works can be complicated. You need skincare that actually performs, but getting started can be overwhelming. Thankfully, there's a solution. Roman makes it convenient to get customized prescription skincare that really performs. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online consultation, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If appropriate, a doctor will prescribe a custom blended treatment based on your skin type and priorities. You'll receive your custom skincare treatment with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor if you need to make a change to your treatment or have any questions. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. Go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL for a free online visit and start your new skincare routine today. That's GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL. Eligibility requirements and additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. 
This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Danny Kelly, Noel Princiati, both of the ringer joining me, two of my favorite people in the world. Danny, Adam Gase says it's irrelevant if they misused <laughs> Le'Veon Bell. You had a take on this. I mean, when you think about it, literally everything is irrelevant and we're all going to turn to dust one day. No one will remember us. Eat Arby's. Nora, wow. response? I, I'm like, I've been... Uh, I thought Danny was going to go with if you're the Jets, everything is irrelevant because right. who cares? Like, burn it all to the ground. Um, and that really hit me like a ton of bricks. Nothing matters. <laughs> We're all just dust in the wind. Thanks for starting us off like that, Danny. Appreciate that. Um, so, I mean, every time we talk about Gates, though, it's just... how does First of all, how does he still have a job? It actually might be irrelevant how he handled the whole Le'Veon Bell thing because apparently nothing gets him fired. The funniest part of this by far and i feel like that particular headline is overshadowing the real headline which is that he asked his staff if he should still call plays and they were (laughs) unanimous that that he should like what was that (laughs) meeting like yeah come on no pressure guys no pressure come on the quick little beat of silence that we had after danny dropped nothing matters is like Mm -hmm. that times one million must have been so should I just should we run it back, guys? I'll just keep doing this. Wow. What an organization. So we are actually going to touch on this in a second, but we're going to do kind of coaching carousel predictions because there's two openings now. There are two GM openings. Also, that's a different category because the the candidates just aren't as obvious. We're going to stick with coaches here. And obviously, we're going to predict what jobs will be open this time four months from now, three months from now, or one week from now in some situations. Uh, Nora, I'll start with you. When you think about what this coaching carousel is going to look like, rank the open jobs for me. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, so the obvious ones, right? So we have Houston and Atlanta. And then we're probably talking about the Jets, the Lions, and... You're going to hear me do some Doug Marone standing probably later in this oh, segment. Wow. Wow. But okay. Yes. That's mostly because I just really like him like as a person. Me too. Um, Which is a really bad way to run a football organization. Wait, I, but, I, I think he's just a pretty good coach. Yeah, no, too. I think I think that too. But I also just think that he's a delight. And, but those are those are kind of the five, right? Although I was thinking about this, Kevin, and you dropped... Um, on Sunday when we were doing the show mm-hmm. after the Sunday games that anyone who loses to the Panthers, that coach is going to get fired. And Jaguars. I have yeah. some, I have some Panthers love. So I was going down the list and thinking like, wow, are we going to have like eight, eight coach openings just because people lose to the Panthers who are suddenly. Frisky? Well, no, the, the <laughs> opposite of that is what's happening with the Jaguars right now, which is that they've given three teams their first win of the season. So when you play the Jaguars, you actually keep your job. But when you play the Panthers, you can... Li- okay, interesting. This is an interesting dynamic. I, the, I, I, I will out. say this. I will say this. I'm in your camp as far as the Panthers go. I think the Panthers have, have gotten above the threshold. I don't think that they're... Even though that cost Dan Quinn his job, I don't think that that's a horrible loss anymore. Like, <gasps> after 0-2... Yeah, I did. I mean, honestly, I, I just uh, the Panthers are, are better than we thought. Teddy Bridgewater is playing really well. Uh, the, the Mike Davis is is a surprising star and avatar for the running backs don't matter movement that we won't get into right now. Um, but yeah, I think that there's 
I think the Jaguars are interesting. I don't know what they're trying to do. So do, do you think that job's going to be open or not? Um, I, I, yeah, I still think it's probably more yeah. likely than not just because he's had a lot of chances. Uh, but okay. So let's, let me do my rankings. Um, I think Houston is the best job there. We can, we don't, I'll just rank them and we can talk about it. But I, sure. I think because of the quarterback, it's the best job. Then Atlanta. And then I guess I would go. Wow. Um, Part of this is projecting what jobs will be open and if there's going to be any surprises and stuff like that. Because I think that the usual suspects will be there. Yeah. There's a drop off. Then I guess I go. This is like really hard for me as someone who to whom New York City is like a really important place that people should want to live and be involved with. But like the Jets are just a disaster. Like you don't want to yeah, do that. Wait, and I like so Joe the, Douglas. The, the Lions. The I do too. The, I think the Lions, barring a surprise, would be the third best because Matthew Stafford is significantly better than whatever the Jets are going to have. Yeah, yeah. So that's so. This is what I'm. That was. Those are the two that I'm sort of figuring out. Yeah. I think, and then I think the Jaguars. Um, I think the Jaguars is last of those five. Right. Danny, your rankings before we start yes. debating them. Uh, Texans, Falcons, Lions. I think the Jaguars I would have over the Jets because to me, when you look at the Jets roster, it's maybe the worst roster overall in the NFL. Yes. I think there's some interesting pieces the Jags have, you know, especially on offense. There's, you know, Chark and Chenault. And I, I just think that they have some more pieces to build around. It's like not quite as low of a foundation. So I would probably put the Jets last just because to me, their roster is just bad top to bottom okay before we get into this specific debate i do want to throw out a couple of perhaps surprise firings you know ryan clark said this a great espn analyst the other day where he said that uh justin herbert's going to be a really good quarterback for the chargers next head coach the chargers are one and four right now i think anthony lynn's an awesome coach i just worry that you know the chargers have made mistakes before maybe they're they're just like oh we gotta we gotta panic and 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 try to save justin herbert whatever I, i i don't know how that goes but there is always the possibility an owner is going to panic and 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 do something like that. Obviously, the Texans and Falcons job will be open. Obviously, the Jets job will be open. Almost certainly, and barring something ludicrous, the Lions job will be open. And then I think that there's, you know, Danny, do you think Zach Taylor could be on the hot seat if Joe Burrow doesn't get anything going here? I mean, yeah, if they don't make any real progress this year, I could see it. It, it seems unlikely, but I could see it. It seems unlikely just because of the level of patience required and just how, ba- how bad that roster was last year going forward. Also, this is a year. One thing we should probably keep in mind is that uh, particularly when we're talking about the Bengals and the Chargers, we're not talking about NFL teams that love to throw money around. And I think that's right. going to be an underrated factor this year, especially. I 100% agree with you. And, and and the revenue shortfall is is very, very real, especially a team like the Chargers. I know all the, the Chargers and Titans jokes or whatever, but the reason they moved to Los Angeles was to get the Los Angeles market money. And that means luxury boxes. That means all of the things they didn't. They, that means the things they weren't able to capitalize on in, in San Diego. They, they have that now in L.A. And so there's going to be something there. it's going to be true of every team. But in any year, they wouldn't want to fire their coach and and you know spend a bunch of money, especially for for a top top tier guy. Um, and again, I think I think Anthony Lynn is is a pretty good coach, and they should probably stamp out with him. Okay, Danny, I'll start with you. Start filling out these jobs for me. Best candidates, best matches. <laughs> so for the Texans, I think that and this one's a pretty common one is Eric Bieniemy of yeah. the Chiefs. And it, I'm saying his name correctly, correct? Right, Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. Um, you are. The enemy of my enemy is my friend right. and my potential Houston's <laughs> coach. Chris Berman used to make lots of puns about that back when the enemy played. <laughs> I also just called them the Houston's. <laughs> so I got his I mean, name right, but not the name of the team. Anyway, Danny, the floor is yours. <laughs> I, I, yeah. is, is that, an, is that an improvement? Houston's? Houston's? If you just call them, Houston's? you don't call, no, you don't call them the Houston's. You just call them the Houston's. Well, now we have the football team and the Houston's. Yeah, I'm just saying it's in play here. It's no different uh, than the Texans, really. That's actually a great point. Yeah, it's a, it's it's <laughs> it's just an obvious descriptor, right? Like the, the Houston, Houston Texans, Knights, the Houston's, yeah, Houstonites, whatever. Um, all right, so Danny, so that that's been thrown around a lot, and then I think mm-hmm. after that is where it gets interesting. And I think, you know, yeah. By the way, I just want to quickly go over my case here. Um, so both the Falcons and the Texans next year will be over the cap 
Okay. Uh, according to Jason Fitzgerald over at, at Over the Cap, uh, here of the team, literally his site is called Over the Cap, and he's telling us which teams are over the cap. Unbelievable. Uh, the Falcons are $37 million over the cap. Uh, the Texans are $14 million over the cap. The other teams in this range are competing this year, and these teams are not. The Vikings are also not. Um, but I would say that that's a deterrent. But I also think that when, first of all, there's a lot of coaches who would turn in their cap space and their picks to get Deshaun Watson. And there are a lot of guys who I think the Falcons job for me can go either way. There's a lot of talent on there. There's a lot of young talent and veteran talent. Is there, there going to be like a Arthur Blank situation where he says, oh, why don't we bring in a veteran coach to try to develop this talent, almost like what the Cowboys do with Mike McCarthy? Or do they say, let's just tear this down. The cap space is too far gone. I just think that the, it, it's, it, it's a franchise at a, at a crossroads in Atlanta. And I'm intrigued mm-hmm. to see how both owner and GM view this roster once it's it's set in place. Rich McKay, who's the team president, used to be the GM. He was also the, the GM in Tampa years ago. He understands how to build a team. And so I think I think that 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 franchise is fascinating to me because I think, again, it can go either way. They can start selling guys or they can just try to develop them and win now. Back to you, Danny. I don't know. I, I, I tend to lean towards the idea of of not doing a retread like guys like Brian Dayball. Um, I mean, heck, I'm going to throw out a few other names that I think are very interesting that maybe let's out go. Of like let's do this. Field. Kellen Moore. OC Whoa. of the Cowboys. OK, Joe Brady, who is just. Who's 12 years old. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think he's like, what is he, like 33 or something ridiculous? I think but I mean, so Sean McVay was really young, too, when he got his first head coaching job. So I don't know. I just t- I tend to lean towards, you know, bringing in these offensive innovators, offensive, offensive minded head coaches. I just tend to lean towards that, especially with the way that the NFL is right now. Like, are they going to are they going to go back to? allowing teams to hold or not hold and things like that next year? Or is this, is this the new era of offensive football where defenses can't do shit anymore? If that's the case, if the latter is the case, it makes no sense to me to bring in a defensive minded coach because defense can't work. I I think these bringing in a scheme Lord like, you know, Kellen Moore, Joe Brady, Arthur Smith of the Titans. To me, that is way more fascinating. I'd be more excited about that. If I was a fan of these teams, you know, you got Matt Ryan in and, and, Potentially, they're going to have a chance to get the top pick this year, get one of these yeah. top quarterbacks if they go that route. Childhood Falcons fan, Trevor Lawrence, by the way. Yeah. So if I'm either, if I'm a fan of either the Texans or the Falcons, I want to pair my franchise quarterback, whether that is, you know, Matt Ryan for a few more years or yeah. Trevor Lawrence, with a young, innovative offensive mind. That's just how I feel. That's how I'd want to do it. But you know, so it, it, we've seen the, we've seen the results when this happens. Like, look at what's happening with the Bills right now. I just need to say, Joe Brady's thirty-one years old and just turned thirty-one. <laughs> thirty-one. He's he's the wild wild card. He's it's probably not going to happen. But I'm just throwing out some names. Nora, drop a bomb with this Falcons pick. So Matt Campbell, the Iowa yes. State coach, has been like a kind of spicy name. The Jets were kind of into him. Um, uh, but he was not into the Jets. I was trying to figure out a polite way to say right. that. Uh, <laughs> but potentially, he's just not that into you, Jets coaching search editions. Um, but he's been a name that's like floated around on the periphery of of coaching yeah. conversations for a long time. And I actually would have loved to put him back in the Jets slot, but I felt like I should recognize that he does not seem to be particularly interested in becoming head coach of the Jets, but maybe the Falcons, I would certainly look at as a more enticing job. And if you're a team that's sort of looking for, like you want someone who has experience as a head coach, like has experience running a program, but also like could be there for, for, a foundational reset. Like you're trying to get rid of all of this bad juju yes. and it could go in a lot of different directions. I can see him being like one, somebody who's really, really, really well-respected in a lot of coaching circles, but two is kind of like a blank slate, like paint your canvas kind of guy because he would be coming yeah. to the NFL. So I just thought that was like a, a sneaky dark horse, nice fit. Yeah, and I think if you're the Jets at this point, you need to worry about what kind of of coach you can get and whether or not you have to go to the retread route because any coordinator who is a, a buzzy name at this point is not going to take a chance on taking that job. I understand 
every year we do this thing where where a coach takes one of these crappy jobs and says, well, there's only 32 of these, you know, you get, you got to take them. And I just think that some of these guys are smart enough to know like Arthur Smith, man, like, come on, man, you're a billionaire. You don't need to do this. You don't need to take the Jets. Job, <laughs> all right. Just, just it, let's, let's just stay in Tennessee. So, uh, Nora, so you have your not prediction, but you know, when you're, when you're matchmaking here, uh, the enemy to Houston. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then Arthur Smith, uh, it, it, seriously now though, uh, does he fit anywhere here? Um, or, or do you have more college games? From my perspective here, when I think about these openings, I don't see a job that Lincoln Riley is going to jump at. And that's why I think Matt Campbell's a great name, Nora, is because I don't see a home run. Like, you know, the, the Texans don't have their picks. They don't have their cap space, even though they have Deshaun Watson. The Falcons are a bit of a, a, a mess financially going forward. I don't see a team that, that would have an opening where, where someone like Lincoln Riley or even Urban Meyer would say, heck yeah, I'm in on this. So or do you see that? Right, Dabo. Right, exactly. And so do you see that? And then the second question would be uh, Arthur Smith and Brian Dable and that layer of coordinator. Wh- where do you see those guys going? I thought Dable might be an interesting uh, potential Jags fit. I don't have, I didn't yeah. match make Arthur Smith anywhere. I was, I just feel like stay where you are, man. Like, Ride the wave. Ride the Hang ride out. the tanny wave. Yeah, ride the ride the ride the tanny wave. Unless if you have that much money, it's probably really fun to live in New York City. So maybe he should be the head coach of the Jets. My take on New York City is that it's only fun if you have unlimited money or no money at all. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of right on. The problem is when you have like a decent salary and just like, wait, why am I paying 90% of my money in into this Brooklyn studio? You're like, I live in a box. Yeah, I think it would be hilarious if Arthur Smith fixed Tannehill after Tannehill got just like fell out of like the world yeah. under under Gase and then came in and fixed Darnold, like turned Darnold into this all world quarterback, too. Oh, my gosh. The I, Adam Gase. That would be amazing. Crew. That would be, they, they, he just goes around <laughs> fixing Adam Gase's mistakes. <laughs> the greatest troll job of all time. Good. That's an amazing idea. That's an amazing idea. Danny. <laughs> I'm rooting um, so hard for this to happen now. Arthur Smith. New York City is so fun. You have to go there. The the restaurants, man. The restaurants. I just don't think the Jets have anything going for them. I really don't. I mean, I I just Darnold's at the end of his his rookie deal at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I I maybe Joe Douglas goes into his uh, obviously being from Baltimore and then being in in Philadelphia. Maybe he tries to to get an assistant from there. Maybe a, a Greg Roman type would be interesting. Um, I don't know how how close they are, but obviously he's got connections in Baltimore. There. Um, I think that that's. I think that's the level the Jets have to go into. And Greg Roman's a very, very talented offensive coordinator. I'm just saying that they're not going to get a huge name. Uh, Danny, Detroit, anything there? I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know where they would go because I actually like Bevel as an offensive coordinator. So this one wouldn't be like if they clean house and decide to like fire all the coaches, then you know maybe they'd bring in an offensive coach to work with Stafford. But this is a team where I could. It wouldn't be too surprising if they went with a defensive-minded head coach. Not just not Patricia anymore. Like get ready, get ready to move on from that whole situation. You think they should just fire Patricia and then just don't do anything else? Just not have a head coach next year? (laughs) Just not Patricia is the new head coach? I mean, Um, what do you think? (laughs) Yeah, so I I think they should fire Matt Patricia. I think that, you know, when I was talking to Darren Lovsky last year for that Stafford piece I was doing, he he made the point and he obviously played for the the Lions and he's made some, some really great commentary on the Lions the last couple of weeks. But the point he made was, what if Stafford had been gifted a McVay type or a Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan type or something like that? It would have changed the narrative of the league. And I think that from a football, just a football karma perspective, Matt Stafford deserves one of those guys. And so mm. if I'm the Ford family, and again, this is the problem with Patricia, like the problem with Gase, is that there's just not a lot of talent there. So you're not walking into a really good situation. And so I think you you kind of get try to get a scheme lord up there. I think Brian Dable would be fantastic in Detroit. Yeah, I think he would scheme yeah. him up. I think he's got the attitude for it. I think there's some building blocks there, but not a lot. And I also think maybe you, I think I think Bob Quinn probably has to get fired too. And so just bring in a whole new regime. Um, maybe someone from the the Buffalo. You know, Brian Dable obviously has a lot of uh, Parcells Belichick. Um, roots uh maybe there's someone from there but obviously patricia and bob quinn had belichick roots too but didn't matter um but i think that there's i, I if, if i were matchmaking I, I i would go there nora brian dable 
Um, no. So that's, I think that's a good call. And I actually, uh, Brian Dable is from Buffalo and loves Buffalo and Detroit <laughs> is not that far from Buffalo. Yes. I get, the, he can drive through Canada. He can yeah, get the $5 well, he, a month. You can get the $5, uh, cell phone thing that everybody has to get wait, before they cross the is. border. Send a text message and it's like, you, now you can use your phone in Canada and it's really cheap. Whoa. When I yeah. was, I went to horseback riding camp in Canada when I was a little kid okay. and I forgot my passport and my dad came to pick me up and we had to convince the people at the border to let me back into the U S with just like a souvenir photo of me on a pony. <laughs> and it said, <laughs> Nora riding flare. And they let me back. In. <laughs> can you tell Brian Dable about this? Um, I probably am not going to tell him that story. But... Probably, probably not. By the way, Brian Dable, Brian Dable once said to me, you guys do a great job. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I think he was talking about the ringer, but I wasn't, I'm not totally sure. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's the case. I interviewed him recently. And at the end of yeah. it, he said something incredibly kind that I couldn't place. Like he said something like, Hey, you keep up the really great work. And I was yeah. like, what? I think, what? He, yeah, I think and it was might be really our, nice, but he might be vaguely aware of our existence, which is nice. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. But he was, he was at Alabama. He was at Alabama. He coached under Belichick. He was uh, with the Scott Pioli chiefs before that he's with the Dolphins. So I think there's some interesting roots there. And I think that again, Brian Dable, as for as amazing of a job as he's done with with Josh Allen, I don't think he's going to be on on the enemy level, and so I think that 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 might be might, might be good. Uh, Danny, any surprises? Oh, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nora. So I went with Matt Eberflus, uh, just oh. as like, yeah, yeah, getting the defensive minded Matt right this time. <laughs> I think his his ability that is an amazing matchmaking my only hesitation is any defensive coach right now only because of how the league is is trending his his ability to adapt when you know josh daniels was supposed to be his head coach all that stuff it's it's truly amazing um and i think that's a, that's an amazing idea I, he wasn't even on my radar uh danny real quick matt Eberflus. yeah and i was actually going to add an idea to that and like if you look at the bills you know obviously they have a defensive minded head coach they bring in Dayball. he runs the offense it all works together how about you have Eberflus bring in Nick Sirianni, the OC yes. for the Colts. Oh! I don't know if he would go. I don't know if that's like a side, you know, like a lateral move for him or whatever. But um, get Frank get away from to get like away start from his Rivers. tree. Get away from Philip Rivers. <laughs> make all these mistakes. Yeah, run out of that burning yeah. building. Yeah, so I don't know. Kidding. Get the Frank Reich coaching tree going and and see how it goes. I think Reich has earned his reputation as a very smart, you know, build around the the talent that you have type type person. And I th- I could see his underlings starting to get real attention that's kind of like in the same way that um in the same way that arthur smith could clean up adam gase's mistakes that's kind of like like colt staffers cleaning up patriots coordinators or former patriots coordinators messes <laughs> amazing all right danny kelly Nora princiati this is I, i'm glad we solved the coaching carousel guys <laughs> i'm glad that owners can now just listen to this and, and we it, you're guys. welcome just just write it all down <laughs> Joe Brady, 31-year-old Joe Brady. All right, guys. Let's do it. Coming. All right, thanks for listening to the Ringer NFL Show. I'll be back with Nora on Sunday. Warren Sharp will be on the feed on Friday with Joe House. Love that pod. Uh, see you then.